It's interesting, isn't it? We, um, we like brief messages. I certainly do. I'm not always very good at giving them, mind you. Sometimes I know. I, I have a habit of going on. But as I was preparing tonight, um, I just felt it was right to focus on communion. Because communion is an instruction. We are told to do this in remembrance of Jesus and what happened that night and what was about to happen. And so I almost didn't worry about having a a message tonight because Roger sent through the order of service and I thought in the first song we've got the the, the question of who who breaks the power of sin and darkness and the, 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 the acknowledgement that God breaks that power. We then go on to Father of Kindness. We've got Good Good Father speaking about the, the intimacy and the personal the personal relationship that we share with him. You stood before creation. We've, we have the, um, the acknowledgement of the authority of God over all things, a creator God. We've got light of the world, the, the guiding power of God in our lives and how we can, we, can, we can see the way that he sets the path before us. Your grace is enough, we've just sung. It's grace that we don't deserve, but the grace of God is, is what gets us through day after day, what keeps us going. And then we'll finish later on with, with the song, He's Coming on the Clouds, the song that, that, that looks forward to the day that he will return. That once and for all, we will join him in glory. It's for eternity. And so I looked at it and I thought, Roger, you've, you've covered the whole lot. <laughs> I've already got anything to add. But I thought, well, we'll keep it simple. And so we're focusing tonight on one verse. It comes from 1 Peter. And it's chapter 5. Verse 7. You can look it up if you'd like to, but it's really very brief. It says this, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. It says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I told you it was simple. But you see, I'm sure that many of you tonight will take away that very simple line that Roger mentioned earlier when he was leading worship. Jesus was broken so we can be fixed. It kind of encapsulates the, the, everything we've spoken about as we've, as we've gathered around the communion table this evening. It, it captures so much about the Christian faith. And I don't know about you, but I like that. I like those, those simple little phrases that stick in the mind that help us to remember things, especially having just spent three years studying theology because it's hard work. You spend all your time reading books written by people who, who know so much more about the subject than you do and then you, 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 sort of, you write an essay and even if you get a good mark, there's still some pretty cutting comments in there and you're coming away from the whole thing thinking, wow, the main thing I've learned in the three years of studying theology is how much I don't know. And so it's really refreshing when you get a little simple nugget like that and think, do you know what? The theology, the study, the the depth is important, it's interesting, it's great, but ultimately God's not going to say, Tom, that essay you wrote, you really expect me to let you into heaven based on that. He's not going to say that. 
a hope. But no, he's not, is he? He's a God of grace. He doesn't look at our failures. He, he, looks, he looks at what he's put inside us. He looks at our potential. He calls us to turn to him. Why? Because he cares for us. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. It's not difficult, is it, to open a newspaper and search for a headline about anxiety at the moment. It's a very, very hot topic. So many people are affected by, by anxiety. Sometimes we call it worry. Sometimes we call it stress. We might call it pressure, fear, insecurity. But in this passage, the word anxiety, it means a lack of anything. If we perceive in ourselves a lack of something, anything, then give it over to Jesus. Call on him because he cares for you. We're, um, we're not particularly good at that, it seems. Even, as, even Christians are not particularly good at that. We're good at not worrying after the worry has passed. I had a conversation with somebody this week, um, and uh, they, they made the comment, do you know, looking back now, my redundancy was a real blessing and they're right, things worked out well. This, this, this person, they can look back now and they can see that, that it, 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 was, it was okay. But they didn't take that view the night when they'd received the news. And I sat with them and they were just devastated because it was the end of a promising career, or so they thought. You see, after the time for worry has passed, he was very happy, this person, to, to, to cast the anxiety on Jesus and acknowledge that he's cared for. But at the time, in the moment, in the moment, he took it all on himself. And I know he's not the only person to do that. I know that I have a habit of doing that, trying to fix things, trying to do things my way. Oh, no, this is, this is, this is all going wrong. What can I do? What should I do? How should I react? And so often, so often, Jesus can be an afterthought in our lives. Whenever we perceive a lack in ourselves, whenever the worry, the stress, the pressure, the fear, our own insecurity, our own circumstances, when we don't feel we're in control, cast all your anxiety on him. Cast everything onto Jesus. There is nothing that Jesus cannot cope with. He endured the cross. He endured endured the whole journey. He endured scorn, mockery, punishment, beatings, questioning, ridicule, betrayal, ultimately torture, injustice, and then death. Jesus has been there. The Bible says that he was, he was tempted in every way. That's a difficult question. That has some serious implications. But there is no situation that we can find ourselves in where we think, Jesus wouldn't understand. I can't cast this on him. What's he going to do? He wouldn't understand the fact that, 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 that my, my mortgage, I can't, I can't pay the mortgage this month. Or that the police has expired on my property and I... I don't know where I'm going to go. Or that my marriage is falling apart. Or that there is redundancies at work. Or that my child's ill. 
or that time doesn't heal the loss of a loved one. Jesus knew all of that pain and more. And so we can cast all of our anxiety on him. In Jeremiah, we're we're shown a clear link between, between trust and faith and fruitful blessings. It's almost like God dangles a carrot a little bit, isn't it? God blesses those who, who, who stay faithful, who keep trust in him. In Proverbs, we're, we're told that submitting to the Lord makes our path straight. It doesn't mean that we preach a prosperity gospel, mind you. It doesn't mean that everything's going to be okay. I went downstairs this afternoon and Timothy had got one of his Lego models out and he had all the instructions and he said, Dad, I need some help. I said, okay. I'm the last person you should ever turn to for help with anything that involves any sort of construction or DIY. Um, But I confidently said, okay, what's the problem? And he said, he explained he couldn't fit a certain bit on. It didn't look right. It wasn't working. He showed me this model and it was a model of a, a... van of sort of a truck and I could see that the front the the cockpit sort of thing was not central to the rest of the chassis and as I say I'm no expert but even I know that a car has to be central on its on its um, on its uh, axles that's the one and this one wasn't and you could see it wasn't going to work but the way Timothy had held it up to me he was looking at it from one end and he showed me the other end and so I could see plain as anything and so I said to him Tim, keep looking at it. Turn it round. Have a look from the other side. And I walked away. Within seconds, I heard a, oh! And then ten minutes later, he came in with the finished truck. But you see, I could have made his path straight by saying, look, turn it around, there you go, put that bit on there, that bit on there, that bit on there. And actually, I'm kidding myself, I'm, I'm pretty hopeless with Lego, but most, most fathers could probably do that and say, there you go, son, there's a finished truck. But what would he have learned? What would he have learned next time he's in that position and, and I'm not there? He wouldn't have thought to turn it around. Hopefully next time he'll remember that and he'll think, right, I'm not going to ask Dad's help. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sort this out for myself because I've learned. You see, I could have made his path completely straight. But what would have been the point in that? What would he have learned from that instead? I said, keep going. You'll work it out. And sure enough, he did. When mountaineering, often you can, look at a, you can look at a hill and you can think, right, we're going to get to the top of that and it's only, as the crow flies, a mile and a half. And yeah, it's going to be steep and it's going to be hard work, but we can, poof, we can go straight up there. And then you look at the map and you see the footpath kind of curls around the back and you think, oh, what? we don't need to, we can make our own way. You know, we can forge our own, our own path straight to the peak. And I did this when I was a teenager. I used to do loads of orienteering and stuff. And I remember in the Lake District once, we almost came pretty unstuck because we, just, we got to sort of a, a, having scaled a very loose shale, uh, very steep uh, face. We then suddenly realised the other side, it just dropped away. And it was raining and it was wet and we didn't want to go back down. We thought, oh, what are we going to do? And eventually we had to sit there for an hour, wait for the rain to stop, wait for the, the cloud to lift so we could actually see where the proper path was. And we ended up getting to the top about three hours after the rest of the groups that had set off in, on the same expedition as us. All because, all because we wanted the easy route. 
We thought we knew it. We thought we could ignore the map and the compass, the warnings of sticking to the path, and we could just plough on up there and get to the top first. And as a result, we could to the top last by quite some way, but it could have been more dangerous because we thought we could take matters into our own hands. We didn't trust the things we should have trusted, the map and the compass and the warning signs. And when we read this verse that reminds us to cast all our anxieties on Jesus because he cares for us, there are there's experiences in the Bible. In the book of Psalms, we can, see, we can see the result of what happens when we do this. Psalm 34, verse 4, David writes, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from my fears. David, David didn't try and do it all himself. Of course, David was a great leader. He was a warrior. He, was, he, he had courage in abundance. He'd take, on, he'd take on armies when he was severely outnumbered. He had no fear of that sort of thing, but he had no fear of that sort of thing because he went in with God on his side. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from my fears. Psalm 94, he writes, When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. Your consolation brought me joy. I'm not suggesting that we should look at Jesus as some sort of consolation. But actually, he does console us in our times of difficulty. And through him, we can find true joy. A few years ago, Joe and I went skydiving. Anybody in here ever been skydiving? No? Anybody in here done a parachute jump? Okay, fair enough. Well, now we've established that, I can reveal it was indoor skydiving. Okay? Slightly less impressive, I, I, I confess. But what it involves, you're in this massive big metal tube with, a, with a, basically a massive hairdryer at the bottom. And... Um, you're about high, it's hundreds of feet high, this big tube, and it, it just, there's just fans blowing upwards. It's quite, it's quite basic, really. Um, and you go into a room and you get a flight suit on that's sort of got wings and stuff, and, um, and it's designed to, to catch, catch the air. And um, they open the door and they say, look, just, just fall forward, just like that, just fall. F-. And you think, that is counterintuitive. You've got this, this it's, like, it's like a lift shaft with no lift in it. You just have to fall and trust that this unseen force is going to catch you and is going to lift you up and is going to keep you safe. And so I remember standing there and as, as I was standing there, the guy said, whatever you do, don't put your, he said, the, the instinct is to put your arms out. Not that your arms are going to stop you over a hundred foot drop, but he said, that's the instinct. And sure enough, as, as, as I went out, I just wanted to, I wanted to try and stop myself, protect myself in some way. But of course, you do that, you make yourself aerodynamic, you just fall faster. Instead, you just have to trust. You just have to trust that these fans are going to, rather than chop you to a thousand pieces, are going to blow you back up. And once you get over the panic... And once you master, the, um, master your, your every natural instinct that's telling you um, to try and save yourself, once you ignore that and you just horizontally just fall, you suddenly slow and slow and slow and then you start to lift. And it's an am- amazing feeling. And then you sort of stabilise. Then you sort of stabilise. But every now and then you might, you might tilt, or I've got hiccups halfway through because you've got all this air blowing up and I sort of let out a deep breath and so I've got hiccups. And every time I hiccuped, the, the vibration not wobbled me a bit, and that panicked me. But thankfully, there were these instructors who have done it. They're professional skydivers. They've done it from proper aeroplanes in the proper sky outdoors. 
And they would sort of catch you and write you and balance you out. You see, in church, we're constantly talking about casting our anxieties on him because he cares for you. But we're talking about the Holy Spirit, this unseen force. And to most people that come into church, the idea of, of throwing yourself onto a, into the mercy of an unseen force, just like me at the, the doorway of that skydiving vent, it's a very unnatural thing to do. It's completely against every instinct you've got. And as Christians, as established Christians within the church, you're like the professional skydivers who are just at the sides, floating away, who can do somersaults and tricks and turns, but every now and then when we see someone suffering, reach out and right them and restore them. That's how a church works. It's full of people at at different stages with different level of confidence. And sometimes those those people who, who have their confidence knocked need those around them to settle them and to be reminded, to be reminded that although the Holy Spirit is an unseen force, boy, it is a force. The Holy Spirit is in us and around us. The Holy Spirit is catching us when we fall. Can do more for us than we can possibly do by sticking our own arms out, by trying to arrest our own fall, solve our own problems. This verse tells us that we should cast all our anxiety on him. There is nothing in our lives that we will encounter that we cannot cast on Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is the one who defeated death. Jesus was there at the beginning and he'll be there at the end. Jesus is the one who defeated death through the grave. Jesus is our personal protector. He's he's sent by a loving father. He is part of the trinity that is the eternal God. And he cares for you and for me. And that's why I love this passage, this verse. Because it reminds me, in all the, the theory and the theology, all the ideas and the argument that get thrown around, all the things that scare me, all the things that I get wrong, back of the stupid things I say and the mistakes I make and the people I upset and the, the things I look back on and think, oh, you fool. The things in the future that haven't yet happened that scare me, that I'm, that I'm afraid of, the what-ifs. Cast all, all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that that this is not a legal document that we have to learn parrot fashion that this is not a tool that you use to beat us when we get things wrong, but that your word is a rich reminder of your love for us, for your grace and your mercy, and how much you care for each one of us. Heavenly Father, we, we struggle to understand the magnitude of your love. 
And so, Lord, forgive us when we distill it down into these simple, simple reminders that every single day, in every single way, we can cast everything that worries us, that concerns us, on you. Because you care for us. Lord, thank you for this wonderful truth. In Jesus' name.